You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. Wouldn't it be easier to dissolve the people and elect another in their place? This satirical comment from Bertolt Brecht, the German poet, playwright and communist, is gloriously apposite to the proposed resuscitation of a rejected European Union constitution in Brussels this week. It is ironic that Angela Merkel, Germany's Chancellor, and herself a former citizen of East Germany, should have entered this trap. For it was of this regime that Brecht complained in the poem, written in response to the workers' uprising. For it was of this regime that Brecht complained in the poem, written in response to the workers' uprising of June 1953. Brecht's suggestion was preceded by a remark even more apposite to today's situation. The people, he said, had forfeited the confidence of the government and could win it back only by redoubled efforts. Indeed, the European, or more precisely Dutch and French peoples, have done just that. They rejected a treaty designed by Valérie Giscard d'Estaing, grandest of European grandees. How dare they! As Jean-Claude Juncker, Prime Minister of Luxembourg, a glorified local government, remarked before the referendums, If it's a yes, we will say, on we go. And if it's a no, we will say, we continue. He was right. A true European, he knows that the purpose of the EU is to make democracy impossible. After their brush with its vagaries, the leaders will not give the people even a chance to regain their confidence. After all, they might vote the wrong way again. The leaders are instead proposing to replace the people with their all-wise selves. The electorate, should they feel, never have had to worry their poor little heads over the issues covered by the Constitutional Treaty. They should have left it to their daddies and mummies, who know where their true interests lie. Yet do they? Is it obvious to anyone of modest intelligence that the EU needs a new treaty that, in Ms Merkel's own words, will replace the moribund Constitution but merely, and I quote, use different terminology without changing the legal substance? So cynical an exercise needs burning necessity, not mere convenience to justify it. What then is this necessity? Little that I can see, apart from maintaining the drive towards an ever more federal Europe. Some proponents ask why anybody should oppose the new treaty since it would make only a modest difference to the workings of the EU. But nobody can credibly argue that a new treaty is simultaneously unimportant and essential. But proponents are right to believe the latter. The treaty does matter, because it represents yet another step, however small, on their long journey. The aim of the Brussels summit is to agree the terms of reference for an intergovernmental negotiation leading to a new treaty. The new treaty would drop symbolic elements from the old constitution and references to the primacy of EU law, since such references are redundant. It would also put the Charter of Fundamental Rights in an annex. What difference that would make to their effectiveness in law is unclear. I suspect the answer is none. The new treaty would, proponents hope, retain a full-time president of the European Council, a single foreign minister, the creation of an EU diplomatic service, a slimming down of the Commission to 18 members, 
an extension of qualified majority voting into some areas of social policy, immigration and police and criminal justice. And last but not least, a change in voting weights and thresholds for qualified majorities. Under the envisaged system, a proposal would pass if 55% of members, representing 65% of the population, were in favour. Are these ideas in and of themselves essential? The answer is yes, only if you believe the big problems confronting the EU are an insufficient supply of rights and an insufficient capacity to make decisions, impose laws on recalcitrant member states and throw its weight about on the world stage. For the net effect of these proposals will be to extend the powers of the European Court of Justice and make it easier to pass European laws where qualified majority voting now applies and extend it to some sensitive new areas. My own view is the opposite. We have no need to make it easier to pass laws at any level of government, certainly not excluding the European one. What he's proposed is also far more than a mere tidying up exercise. It is no trivial matter for British or other citizens to accept the legitimacy of laws on immigration or criminal justice imposed, quite possibly against their government's consent, by the governments of the other members. Similarly, the creation of a permanent president of the European Council, European foreign minister and diplomatic service would surely centralise decision-making in areas affecting security, which is the core function of any state. Plans for merging the office of President of the Commission with that of the Council seem sure to follow, along with direct election of so powerful an individual. The salami slicer of progressive moves towards ever closer union is still at work. Would a new treaty justify a referendum, at least in the UK? Yes, is my answer. People are perfectly able to understand whether any new treaty involves an important transfer of power to an unelected Commission a cartel of European governments and a remote parliament. Countries that, unlike, say, the US, give unbridled powers to executives with temporary majorities should not permit those same executives to hand over their delegated powers to others in perpetuity. Referendums are imperfect mechanisms, but I can see no better way to legitimise changes that are inherently constitutional. Where, then, does this leave Gordon Brown? In a pickle is the answer. But he should not dream of going along with this shoddy attempt to ignore the results of the referendums on the Constitution. He should reject the argument that the views of the 18 countries that have ratified the Constitution also count, since a treaty requires the consent of all parties. He should seek to eliminate proposals for further qualified majority voting or for any backdoor incorporation of an unnecessary charter of so-called fundamental rights. He can accept the proposals for re-waiting votes, but insists that particularly with 27 members today and more to come, the majorities required should be substantially higher than envisaged. Above all, he should state that the outcome will be put to a referendum, at least in the UK. The arrogance of the European elites must not be permitted to reign unchecked forever. This is not merely undemocratic. It will ultimately prove disastrous for the project in which they, and I too, believe that for a cooperative, prosperous and harmonious Europe. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.